0: everyone welcome back to another episode of locked on gators your daily home for florida gators coverage and part of the locked on podcast network i'm your host zach goodall make sure to throw me a follow on twitter at zach underscore goodall as well as my co-host demetrius harvey you can find him at demetrius 82 and in order to never miss an episode make sure to follow our main account at locked on gators as well demetrius say what's up to the people
1: What's up, everyone? Uh, I know we haven't been around for the, I guess, the Monday episode, so we didn't get to get you the recap right away. But we're back on our Tuesday. I apologize if I'm not as energetic. I'm just feeling a little under the weather, but I'll be fine, you know, in a few days. It'll be all right. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, especially the LSU game and then the upcoming Alabama game, aren't we, Zach?
0: That we are. And I sound a little bit like demetrius because uh, i too feel a little under the weather but it's my own doing because i just forgot to take my allergy medicine so sad you guys can throw me some shade on twitter for that uh but anyway yeah we've got quite a bit to talk about as we didn't get to do our monday episode we have a little bit to offer on the florida lsu game i'm sure most people don't want to hear it by now they've More than moved on from what was just a crushing loss for Florida. But we're going to talk about it anyway because, of course, we have some thoughts. Soul crushing loss. That's right. Then we're going to get right into Alabama to at least try and move on and look forward uh, to this SEC championship game. What Nick Saban had to say about Florida was, I mean, I guess you wouldn't expect anything less. But he had a lot of positives. Uh, he, He is really impressed by this offense, so we'll share what he had to say. In the second segment, and then we'll finish it off with recruiting because Wednesday, uh, tomorrow, is early signing day number one of the three day period uh, for what's traditionally now the new huge day for recruiting. Florida is expecting to get a lot of uh, guys uh, signed, pen to paper, sign the dotted line, and get into the class officially. However, there is a bit of drama uh, as we get closer. It's a yearly tradition unlike any other. Gotta love the anxiety that comes with early signing day. So we'll be talking about that, some news that came out overnight in our third segment. But Demetrius, we'll start with this game. 37-34, to 34, uh, mm-hmm. Tigers came in as a 23-point dog and <laughs> upset the Gators in the swamp on senior night. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, I started feeling around halftime that that's exactly how it was going to go. We were kind of back and forth as we got into that fourth quarter, but it just seemed like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong.
1: Yeah, I you know, obviously coming into the game, I predicted them winning like 50 to 14 and we,
0: we all predicted blowouts across our prediction. <laughs>
1: Right. It's just it was kind of uh, like even just as a spectator, like an objective person watching I was kind of just like feeling disappointment a little bit out of Florida. I'm like, wait, what's going on? I mean, I expected the first half to go about how it did. Um, I didn't expect LSU to score as many points as they did, um, but I did expect a slow start because that's just been the trend every single week for so long now that to expect anything different would have been weird. Um, I understand that LSU's defense wasn't that good, but if I kept looking back to that Texas A&M game, and uh, I know that Florida and Texas A&M are pretty similarly built in terms of like how they kind of move, and LSU's defense was pretty solid about uh, stopping them, so stopping Florida shouldn't have been too big of a tough task, and that's what it seemed to be. It, it just it was a sloppy game overall, both offensively and defensively, and special teams. I mean, you have a guy. Uh, missing kicks you, it, it, that doesn't that he doesn't normally miss it 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 just it just didn't seem as though they were as sharp as they should have been uh, i'm not to, i'm not going to say that they weren't prepared for this game or they were looking forward to alabama which they could have been but i, I don't want to say that uh, because the, the offense did, did have 609 total yards it was electric at times uh, there was that fluky interception the pick 6 by Kyle Trask uh, there was just a lot of things that went wrong. Uh, I-, I thought they could have ran the ball more. Um, Malik Davis even had seven carries for 81 yards. We saw early in the game how they were able to run the ball pretty effectively. Uh, it, but it just didn't end up working out well, and and this is the result they got.
0: Yeah, and defensively as well. I mean, Max Johnson came in, and mm-hmm. he, like, he wasn't great, but he looked very comfortable. Looked good. Especially when you consider the lack of talent that is around him. <sighs> given how many guys have dropped or opted out. I mean, Eric Gilbert did it the just right before the, mm-hmm. the uh, before the game, just a couple yep. of days at least. And he was still able to come in and do throw for 239 yards and three touchdowns. He also showed off some wheels. He, he was able to go out there and run the ball when he needed to, even though mm-hmm. LSU didn't really depend on the run game like that. They were able to balance things out. And Florida's – I would almost be willing to say Florida's defense overlooked LSU because we've seen these issues with Florida's defense throughout the year, but as of late, it's been one or two drive things. It's not been Mm -hmm. consistently through a game. A true freshman quarterback can beat you up, and that's what he did. I mean, he had three explosive passes in the second half. Uh, He was able to keep up um, some momentum. It it came to the point where I know everyone loves to blame the shoe, in Marco Wilson, and we don't (laughs) even need to harp on it too long because I'm kind of past dragging the kid. Um, but Florida fans need to understand he did not lose Florida this game. I know you guys are looking for someone to blame and I get it. Blame the coaching staff and blame the team for an all-around poor effort when it was all said and done because yeah, Marco pulled in a pathetic, idiotic move but Florida, Florida should never have been in a position where that penalty mattered.
1: Yeah yeah, they, they I, I will agree, you know, dragging the kid this far along is, it's fruitless. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, I didn't write the article and um, how I, you know, referenced it by a shoe and everything like that because, you know, that is how the game ended and that's kind of how the storyline would finish out. But overall, if you look at the game, uh, they should have never been in that position, like Zach said. and And they honestly should have just. By that point, it should have been more of LSU trying to continue to throw the ball downfield because they're down by multiple scores, that kind of thing. Marco should have even been in that position to stop a short – uh, third and whatever to force a fourth down so that the Florida can get the ball back and maybe score a game-winning field goal. It just shouldn't have have, have worked out that way. Marco throwing the shoe was probably one of the worst penalties, if not the worst penalty I've, I've ever seen, but it is what it is. It didn't lose them the game ultimately. Uh, Evan McPherson had an opportunity to kick a 50-yard field goal to, to win it. Are to, um, to tie it up, and he couldn't nail it, and he's been one of the best kickers in the SEC. So for him to not make it, you can blame him just as much as you can blame Marco, just as much as you can blame other people as individuals. Overall, it was a team loss and uh, just and, uh, a abhorrent team loss, just terrible.
0: I don't want to drag anyone particularly that long. However, you yeah. say Evan McPherson's been one of the best kickers in the SEC. Yeah. Is that true? I mean he's I mean he's missed maybe a not lately really. in three straight games. They've talked him about yeah. it's automatic. But I don't know what it must have been ever since he missed I guess uh, a game earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. He's just not something's been off.
1: Yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't been as sharp and now, granted, I, I will I,
0: Yeah, I will say as well uh, with the fog hmm. on Saturday right. it does make it a bit more difficult. However, like that that is one that is but, another factor right there.
1: But but no, but but you're right because, I mean, the guy has missed four field goals now, and I feel like a couple of them have been recent. A couple of them have been shorter than, than what that is. And, uh, yeah, the fog was a factor, but you also saw LSU's kicker um, nail a 57-yard field goal. So, like I said, I mean, if you're going to blame Marco, then you're going to have to blame Evan. And then at that point, you can't blame just an individual player for the overall team performance. I mean – if you look at all the other players, too, you know, Kadarius Tony had nine receptions, 182 yards, a touchdown. Jacob Copeland, probably his best game of the year, five receptions, 123 yards, a touchdown. Trayvon Grimes, four receptions, 98 yards. I mean, these guys did enough to win the game, and none of them, you know, could take him over the top. So just look at it as a team performance, team failure, and, and just kind of move on and, and move on to Alabama.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's what the team will always say, of course, but that's exactly how they're handling it. They admit that Marco's mistake was exactly that—a silly mistake. But you can't, you can't blame the kid forever for that when there are so many other factors that go into it. I think you're exactly right. When we come back, we are going to be looking forward, just like the team is, getting ready for Alabama. Should be a fun Saturday in Atlanta this weekend. Uh, excited to cover it. Should be a fun game. Uh, however we're thinking it'll probably be a fun game most likely for the crimson tide but more on that after this break do
1: you guys ever feel as though you're always on don't you want just a moment to relax and chill it's been difficult this year especially with everything going on social issues and the expectations to be on 24 7 with families and friends sometimes you need a breather and especially with the gators this season it can be stressful that's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste and makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: All right, Demetrius. So mm-hmm. I I, I know you weren't on the call the other day, but I will let you know, and I know you do know because you've seen the transcripts, but <laughs> Nick Saban sounded like good old Nick Saban. Not too excited. Um, it's really a privilege been an honor to be in the SEC championship game. But Him anyway, and Bill Belichick have that vibe. Yeah, they're two peas in a pod. But I mean, it makes sense. But I will say he did really talk up Florida. I mean, he does think a lot of Florida's offense in particular, um, and for good reason. I mean, they're obviously going to come out and be aggressive, and they are going to probably try and match scores with the Crimson Tide at the end of the day because – we don't trust Florida's defense. You can trust Alabama's defense a little bit more at this point. They've really grown as the season's gone on in Florida. We thought that was happening, but now it's it's taken a couple of steps back. So we, we, we'd we expect them to come out firing, and, I mean, Saban would as well. He had a lot to say about Kyle Trask. He had a lot to say about Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney and how much he respects Dan Mullen as a play caller. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll just say <clears throat> on the – Alabama are on the, the the Florida defense you know I did carry the water a little bit for Todd Grantham uh in the Florida defense for a few weeks because you know they were performing a little bit better uh the 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 first three weeks of the season is probably some of the worst defense I've ever seen in my life uh, so the the threshold for them to get into my favor wasn't very hard to meet I will admit that and uh to to find their their strengths wasn't very hard because they stand they stood out among the, the great weaknesses uh, This past week was just terrible And I think that it, it just shows the, the the difference Sort of between the Gators and Alabama You know, after the Alabama Ole Miss game uh, Nick Saban changed up some, some things he, he made sure to get that defense right uh, And it worked So if, if you're looking at it in, in terms of that I, I think it's just the difference between Nick Saban, a defensive-minded coach, and then Dan Mullen, an offensive-minded coach, and how they're able to uh, change things up so so drastically. Uh, for Mullen offensively, for Nick Saban defensively, I think that that's the difference in both of these teams and why the defenses have sort of kind of went the opposite directions in terms of their improvement. Um, it, it's going to be a tough challenge for Alabama or for uh, Florida this week because. Like like he, like we've said the, the Alabama defense has improved. The Alabama offense is incredible, but you're right. Nick Saban did you know have a lot of congratulatory things or good things to say about the Florida offense, especially you know, Kadarius Tony talked about uh, Kyle Pitts. You know, he mentioned that Kyle Trask is good at doing what he's doing, basically. Um, but, <laughs> but but I'm but
0: know. a little a little. It's complimentary for Kyle Trask. Yeah. It, it didn't necessarily call him a game manager. And I will say, I thought it was funny. Mac Jones was asked if he thought it was kind of like disrespectful to be considered a game manager, because uh, mm. it almost sounded like Dan said something similar on uh, when he was talking. Just, right. The, the coaches both pretty much said these guys do a great job of doing what the system asks them to do. Uh, Saban went on to say that Trask is accurate. Uh, he's good with reading the defense or relatively in relatively the offense and knowing what the offense likes to do. Um, So basically these coaches are calling these quarterbacks game managers and, (laughs) and, and, you know, I, Mac was not disrespected. He took that as a compliment. Um, I don't really know if we, have maybe we talked to Kyle about that a while ago, but I guess it, it just isn't the end of the world. Considering how these teams are built, I mean, it's fine that they've yeah. got two game managers going at it.
1: Yeah, and I think that over time probably the term game manager has sort of gotten uh, drugged down in, in terms of you know how it how you perceive a quarterback. You know, if you call a quarterback a game manager, you're looking to upgrade that quarterback. You know, you want a quarterback that can excel and then take it take you above and beyond but that's so rare and i don't think that people understand how rare that is as a quarterback you know you have that a rare trevor lawrence you have a rare justin fields and i understand that kyle trask is having an unbelievable season 40 touchdowns but he is good at managing the game and doing what are taking what the defense gives him and i think that it actually is a compliment that he's able to play within that system so well and so effectively that he's able to have this kind of season that he's having um for Dan Mullen, the Gators, and and, and himself. Obviously, he's a Heisman frontrunner right now. So I, I, I think that while it is a little bit of a, a slight in the eyes of maybe fans and everything, I think that coaches look at it a little bit differently probably. They think, okay, this guy's actually really effective at doing what they need to do on offense, and that's going to be tough to stop.
0: And another guy that specifically Saban thinks will be hard to stop is a guy that, <clears throat> well, I guess – Technically, they did recruit both Pitts and Tony coming out of high school. Uh, Pitts pretty much said that he wasn't really viewing Alabama as a fit for him, just in terms of where it was. Uh, but, I mean, Saban, it, Tony was in a, is a Mobile, Alabama native. He, he's a guy that typically that type of electric playmaker, if Alabama wants him, they're not going to get out the state. Uh, Florida was able to get Tony, though, and they were able to craft him into a real – all-around balanced receiver and Saban he I said earlier he didn't sound that excited but I I'll take the credit I asked him about Tony and he livened <laughs> up he was excited he was uh he even ended the uh, question saying we'd love to have him here uh and considering the amount of talent they have on that offense particularly a piece that people are teasing could be back this week in Jalen Waddle at receiver uh pretty high praise for Tony specifically
1: Yeah, it really is. And Tony has had probably the biggest jump from year whatever to to, to now in terms of like how how he's been viewed. I know we've talked about this a lot, but just to like it's kind of unbelievable to see his progression. I mean, last year he had 10 receptions for 194 yards and one touchdown. Like just just think about that and then look at this year. Sixty-two receptions, eight hundred and thirty-one yards, nine touchdowns. I feel as though that's a completely it, it it doesn't make sense. If you see those numbers, you're thinking he must have been hurt, which he was a little bit, but then look at the last year, you know, twenty-five receptions, two hundred and sixty yards. And one touchdown. It wasn't as if he was uh, making these big games happen or performing as well as he has been. But you know, he's really turned into an amazing wide receiver for for the Florida Gators. I think that whatever team is going to get him in the NFL is going to be extremely happy. I think that he made the absolute right decision not coming out last year because uh, I think me and Zach have talked about this. But I don't think he would have been drafted, or if he would have, it might have been maybe late round seven. Something I was like thinking that.
0: he was a running back prospect at the start right. last year if he was gonna come yeah. out, which he was teasing. Like he did not <laughs> make it seem he like he was exactly totally interested in coming back. But he
1: and and he probably didn't even know what position he would play. He probably was telling teams, you know, I can be an all purpose guy, a returner. Like, you know, it it, it, it just
0: it, it's completely different. A, now this dude's a receiver. This dude a receiver. people a, draft analysts were talking him up. Uh, the other day as a potential first-round pick. They were saying if Jalen Rieger, Mm. for example, can be one, why can't Kadarius Toney? That would would be crazy. I mean, last year, (laughs) and we don't need to harp on too long because I know we want to talk about recruiting, but last Mm. year it was kind of crazy how Florida sent the most receivers to the NFL draft um, in a historic year for a receiver class hits and Tony were to both go first round this year. On top of Grimes probably getting drafted and just Kyle Trask as well. I feel like that might even be crazier.
1: Right. No, it, it actually would be because, I mean, just look at that offensive talent. I mean, even if we're not talking specifically about the weapons, you know, a Stone Forsythe is probably going to get drafted too. Uh, guys like that. I don't know. St- Stuart Reese kind of teased that he might come back. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow. But, Just in terms of how how many players that they could send from this offense, even though that they don't have too many draft-eligible guys, it could be amazing.
0: It certainly could be. Uh, Now, how will they replace those guys? Uh, They'd have to do it via recruiting. And, you know, Florida's got a solid offensive class, and I don't think they necessarily need to worry too much about what's going on there right now. However, offensively with recruiting – A little bit of room for concern as we approach Mm. the early signing period. After these messages, we'll be breaking it down for you guys. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what, being a sports journalist doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall. Which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink. Because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things including collagen protein that's fast absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. All right, Demetrius, so there's two prospects in particular that I would like to mention here, and one of them I'm, I'm being purely speculative about. However, <laughs> I mean, I've got reason to. Uh, and the second is much more, like, in stone. There is reason to re- uh, worry about it. Uh, the first being Dakota Mitchell, a defensive back commit star prospect, a guy that should absolutely 100% be a take in this class, no question about it. Um, they need the help in the secondary, specifically at star. All of a sudden, everything Florida is off of his Twitter. Um, Every last bit of it, he's got the black profile picture, the black header, no Florida Gator pictures up anymore. It's not exactly what you want to see the day before the early signing period. Um, That's for sure. And then the second one... (laughs) Before we, you can break both of these down, so this one's got a little bit more to it. Uh, in the early, early hours of Tuesday morning, Alabama, or I guess Ramsey, Birmingham, Alabama, defensive end, uh, Jeremiah Williams, the second highest rated commit in Florida's class, who projects to be a buck rusher at Florida, uh, decided he is not going to be signing on wednesday as he originally planned to he said just last week he was planning on signing on wednesday uh, we don't know why he pushed it back there was an lsu loss there was also an auburn fi- uh, coach firing which was the other mm-hmm. top school in his recruitment when he committed to florida back in october so not yeah. great
1: Not great at all. And I will say I agree with you on Dakota Mitchell. I think that they should absolutely take him. It just doesn't make sense considering where the secondary is at. I think that they need as many bodies as they can get Um, unless they're trying to replace him with another star studded guy who can actually play multiple positions like Mitchell should be able to. Um, I think you talked about it with me personally Zach that you know Dakotas told you he's played so many different positions offensively and defensively so you know that the guy's really versatile uh it, it just would be I, I guess it won't be shocking anymore because it you're right it, it, his his profile is completely devoid of any fortigator stuff uh, he hasn't said anything about signing uh, there hasn't been any you know rumors or anything like that like it's just it it seems like he's gone already he's gone before it even happened um so it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes and then yeah this jeremiah williams scooby williams uh you know kind of shocker i guess if if, if you will they he he's just not gonna sign tomorrow it's just not gonna happen
0: he remains committed Mm -hmm. at least publicly right i mean as far as we know but. He hasn't
1: decommitted, but he, but for uh, an athlete, especially a high school athlete, to say, you know, hey, I need to think about my decision, you, you kind of already know what that means. I'm not saying that he's not going to go to Florida because that could very well happen. It it could sure. come fe- come it could come February, and all of a sudden he's still in Florida and and everything's right in the world. But for him to say that, it does give you some pause because, l- like you said, his second team, uh, Auburn, Gus Malzahn just got fired. And you know Steele is is the is the, the the front runner. I guess he I guess he said earlier. Yeah, that's and, that's been
0: reported that he has emerged as the front runner. I think they still right. need to go through pro- uh, protocols with interviews, uh, sure, before hiring him. But it, it seems like they want to do the internal thing. And uh, I, b- I believe the report from AL.com says that boosters have thought for a while he deserves a shot to run the program, he's got. reportedly a great relationship with Jeremiah Williams. He he and the defensive Mm. staff obviously recruited him for some time. Uh, Scooby didn't say anything. All he said is Mm. he's got to make sure he's making the right decision. But you figure the timing of the LSU loss and pair that with what's going on there, it makes sense at least why he's contemplating.
1: Yeah, it really does. And and (laughs) it – It would be interesting because obviously having a good relationship with Steele would make it completely different situation with Steele as the head coach rather than as just the defense coordinator. Perhaps he wasn't like the biggest Gus Malzahn fan or or whatever it could have been. Like the the reason for him to not commit to Auburn and for them to just you know hire Steele. Then all of a sudden, if he does commit to Auburn, then it probably does tell you a little bit about how he felt about the program. And so it, it, it's just you know those little changes. It's kind of interesting in college football those changes that we saw obviously is huge on Sunday for you know just Auburn football in general. You know how much they got to pay them out, just a bunch of other things, other factors, and to see that you know kind of t- turn over to the recruiting side of things just days before signing day, it's just incredible. Like if, if, perhaps if uh, Auburn didn't fire Malzahn on Sunday, instead waited until Thursday. What would, would Scooby have signed with Florida before that How would happen? And how would that have worked out? Because you can't just unsign. So it's just – or I don't think you can just unsign. So it would just, it's just interesting how all that works.
0: Recruiting's weird. And mm-hmm. I guarantee, Demetrius, I know this is your first time covering a signing mm-hmm. period. Uh, it's only going to get weirder from here. should be a fun time. I mean, we saw it last year. There was plenty of reason for gripe uh, among the Florida fan base – with how signing day panned out. Now, luckily, by February, some things did go Florida's way. Uh, but we are expecting it to be a busy day. Uh, we're expecting a lot of guys to sign. There's also always the room for guys either not to, for a surprise commitment, surprise decommitment. It's recruiting, it's, it's always all over the place, but we're excited to cover it. So make sure to stick around for that. Uh, we'll be bringing pretty, plenty of coverage here. We'll be recapping everything Uh, on the podcast, in in which case you'll want to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Uh, We'll also be writing plenty about it. We'll have a story up immediately for every signing that happens. Uh, So make sure to go check out allgators.com or at uh, si.com slash college slash Florida, and we'll have you covered on your signing day content. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. You can follow my co-host, Demetrius Harvey, at Demetrius82. And most importantly, go and follow at Gators. You'll never miss an episode that way. And we will catch up with you guys next time.